I am glad that I have the opportunity to introduce James Seegers. And I don't have too much to say. We got a page and a half of small type letters about him. He's a native of Amory, Mississippi. His wife, Glenda, and I think she's out of town. He has three children. Of course, we know Lee and Tanya here. He has seven great-grandchildren. He went to school at Freed Hardman, Delta State University, Harding Graduate School, University of Alabama in Birmingham. He's been a local preacher from, from 1954 to 1994 in Leland, Mississippi, Belmont, Mississippi, Gadsden, Alabama, Tupelo, Mississippi. And while he was in Gadsden, Alabama, he baptized Carolyn's sister, Sheila. And that had to be in the early 60s, I think, or somewhere along, along in that line. He is also a speaker for Dayspring, a daily TV program sponsored by the Gloucester Street Church of Christ in Tupelo. For the past 20 years, he's taught Bible at local community college he served as an elder in Gloucester Street Church of Christ in Tupelo. He's conducted between 250 and 300 gospel meetings. So we are pleased to have Brother James with us tonight. For Brother Seeger. And I almost forgot to tell you he is an Alabama fan. He read every word of that about me. He doesn't know for sure whether it's true. He's taking my word for it, I guess. <clears throat> I have some members of my family who are rabid football fans. I, I guess I'm not in that number, but uh, I enjoy it a little bit. I'm glad to be with you all tonight. I've looked forward to being here ever since Brother George called and asked if I would come. I didn't have to think about it. I knew that if it were possible for me to be here, I'd be present and accounted for. It's good to be associated with some good friends from days gone by. And a lot of you in this congregation, I know some of you I've seen for the first time tonight, and I'll look forward to speaking to you before we leave the building so we can be old friends the next time we see one another. Again, thank you for letting me be here with you tonight. It was suggested that I speak on the ark of safety. The ark of safety. So I shall proceed with that this evening. Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. There's the main character, Noah. We shall visit with him tonight. Genesis chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, especially. Noah is the main character. The Bible says God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth 
and every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. In God's infinite wisdom, he saw that it had gone so far it was not ever going to come back. So he announced to Noah his judgment. We are introduced to the judgment of God in Genesis chapter 6. God is a God of love and mercy. He is also a God of judgment. We must keep that in mind. The time comes when man gets so far away from God, God brings judgment on that person. We find that to be true in our text tonight. God brought judgment on the entire world. He announced to Noah his intention, and he instructed Noah to build an ark. And Noah did what God told him to do. At a certain specified time, Noah and his family went into that ark with the animals. The door was shut, and the rain began. The text says it rained 40 days and 40 nights. The windows of heaven were open, and the fountains of the deep were broken, and the water prevailed, and it continued to rise. It got deeper and deeper for 150 days before it crested. That wasn't the end of the flood, but that's as deep as the water got, and the Bible says it covered every mountaintop. That'd mean probably here in Olive Branch, the water was something like five miles deep. We cannot imagine the proportions of that great flood. And after 150 days, the waters began to assuage. God sent a wind over the face of the earth. But it was a long time before that flood was over. Our text says when they went in the ark, Noah was 600 years old. In the second month and the 17th day of that 600th year, after a while when the flood was over and they left that ark, Noah was 601 years old. In the second month and the 27th day of the month, which means they were in that ark for a year and 10 days. It was the ark of safety. It provided safety from the judgment of God. So that great, powerful Old Testament account, which is not a myth, it's real, live history. That Old Testament account captures our attention for a while tonight. One of the things we observe is that Noah built an ark he built one ark. He didn't build two. He built only one because that's how many God told him to build. He built just one. Noah might have said to God, don't you think it would be good for us to build more than one? People have different tastes. They come from different backgrounds. 
If we'll build an ark that meets the satisfaction of a lot of different people, we'll have a multiplicity of arks. Don't you think that'd be good? Noah didn't suggest that to the Lord because the text in Hebrews 11 says what he did, he did by faith. And at least twice in our text, the Bible says, thus did Noah, according to all that was commanded him, so did he. When Noah had finished his work, there was one ark. Now get it, just one. God told Noah the design to use in making that ark. <clears throat> he didn't leave it up to Noah's discretion. He told Noah the kind of material to use. He authorized one kind of wood to be used in the building of that ark. A great lesson there. He told Noah to build that ark 300 cubits long and 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. And that's how Noah built it. He told Noah to put three stories in that ark and, though, and thus Noah complied with that instruction. <clears throat> he told Noah exactly how to build that ark. And Noah followed God's instructions. It was God's plan. We sometimes refer to Noah's ark, but it really wasn't Noah's. It was God's ark, and Noah built it for him. As we look carefully, we observe that God told Noah to build one door in that ark. One door. Everybody who got on board that boat went through that door. All of the animals went through that same door. There was only one door to that ark. Noah might have said, Lord, don't you think it'd be good if we put another door on the other side of the ark? That way it'll be more convenient for people who want to get on board and we'll persuade more to come with us. And besides that, <clears throat> probably people won't want to go through the same door all those animals go through, so let's build another door. Maybe it would be good to build several doors so that more people can be attracted to get on this boat. Noah didn't talk to God like that. And so when Noah built that ark, he built one door in it, just one. God's instructions to Noah <clears throat> said to put one window in the ark, just one. That's all. All the light they needed came through that one window. Could Noah have said, Lord, that's not enough light? We need to see out better than that one window affords us. Let's build several windows. Noah didn't say that to God. Noah followed God's instructions, and so when that boat was finished, it had one door and it had one window. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that everybody who escaped God's judgment, everybody who escaped the judgment of God did so inside that ark. Genesis 7 and verse 23 says, every living substance was destroyed which was on the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowl of the heaven 
They were destroyed from the earth and get it. Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. You mean that I've got to get in that boat in order to be saved? That's right. Why can't I have my own boat? Why do I have to get on that man's boat? That's narrow. That's just being very dogmatic about it. I don't think I want to get on that one man's boat. Well, then you suffer the consequence because the Bible says everybody who escaped the judgment of God at that time did so on the inside of that ark. It may have seemed narrow to a lot of people and caused them to turn down that invitation, but so be it. And do you know, here's, a, here's an astounding fact about that ark. We sometimes say, Noah was saved from the flood. That may be an inaccurate way to say it. Because the Bible says, Noah was saved by the flood. Christ also once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Not from the water, but by the water. Uh-huh. That's water salvation, isn't it? I don't believe in water salvation. Water never did save anybody. Well, it did. The Bible clearly says that water saved Noah and his family. The earth was cursed. It was filled with depravity and violence and corruption. And that flood lifted Noah up out of that old sin-cursed world and when finally it lowered him back down, it was into a world that had been purged of its filth. He was saved by water inside that ark. Isn't that an amazing, amazing story? And you know, we've touched the highlights of it. The ark of safety. Now let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about the Lord's church, the ark of safety now. How many arks did you build, Noah? I built one. That's all God told me to build. So Lord, how many churches did you build? Built one. That's what the Lord told me to do. Built one. There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. That's what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul, what is that one body? Back up two chapters to chapter 1. God put all things under the feet of Christ and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. How many bodies are there? There's one. 
What is that one body? It is the church. As the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. That's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Say, hey, preacher, that's narrow, isn't it? Just one for everybody. Well, maybe it is. But that's what the Bible teaches. There is one church for everybody. Different backgrounds, different cultures, different color skin, different nationalities, but one church for everybody. One ark for everybody. One church for everybody. No, that's not really narrow. That's broad. That's about as broad as you can get. I don't have to get on your boat and you don't have to get on mine. We can both get on the Lord's boat and that's the ark of safety. That one ark that Noah built was built by God's plan. Yeah. He didn't call all the shipbuilders together and get their ideas and he didn't consult all the interior decorators with the thought that the more modern that boat becomes, the more attractive it'll be. Instead, he followed God's blueprint. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone was the place from which all the measurements were taken. The cornerstone of the church is Christ. It's his blueprint. It's his design. It doesn't need any help from us. <clears throat> it doesn't need to be modernized. Matthew 16 and verse 18, <clears throat> Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. It's his. His plan. His blueprint, if you please. He designed it. Somebody says to me, Brother James, you're running the church just like they ran it back in the 1950s. You need to modernize and realize we're not living in the 1950s. We're living in the 21st century. We've got to bring things up to date. <laughs> well, I'd be satisfied to leave it like the Lord fixed it, whether it's the 1950s or the 1850s or the 1750s or whenever. It was built not by modern man's tastes. It was built by the plan of Jesus Christ, his blueprint. And that's the only way it'll work. Noah's Ark worked because it was built by God's specifications. And the Lord's church will work today in protecting people from the wrath of God if we follow God's blueprint in building it. So, Noah, how many doors did you put in that building? Put one door in it. Lord, how many doors you put in the church? Put one door in it. You mean there's only one way to get in? That's right. Just one way in. 
Anybody who gets in this ark of safety goes through that door. Acts 2 and verse 47 says, The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The only way anybody will get in the Lord's church, that one church which he built by God's design, the only way he'll ever get in is by going through that one door. There is no other door. The Lord can add you. You can't get in otherwise. You may have some politically powerful friends, but they can't get you in. You may have enough money to satisfy you, but it won't buy you a way in. There's no way to get into this institution except the Lord himself had you, and he doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't put anybody in that doesn't belong, and he doesn't omit somebody who does qualify. That's the only way to get in. And when a person becomes a Christian, when his sins are forgiven, the Lord takes that soul at that same time and adds that person to his church. That's the only way to get in. One door into that church, just one. You can't get in any other way. Some people think they can just hang around long enough and sooner or later they'll be absorbed into the church, but it doesn't work like that. Jesus said, except you be converted and become as little children, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. To be converted is the same as becoming a Christian. You know, if you become a Christian, the Lord won't make a mistake with you. He'll put you in his church. There's one church. It's built by the Lord's plan, and it has one door in it. Noah, what about that one window? Was it sufficient? Yes. It was sufficient because that's the way God planned it. Satisfied with that one source of enlightenment. What about the Lord's church? What kind of light do we have? There's one window and all the light we have from God comes through that one window. People don't seem to be happy with that. Folks are always looking for a new source of light. Somebody said, the Lord spoke to me. Looking for something new. Somebody said, the Lord spoke to my first cousin. You've got to have something new. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and mariners and deserve the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God. That's what the Lord gave us as a window through which we receive light. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect truly furnished unto all good works. What else do we need? We don't need any other light except that. People are always looking for new enlightenment. They're not satisfied with this, and the truth of the matter is, we haven't, we haven't explored this yet. 
That one source of light is sufficient to let us see through all the way to heaven itself. One source of light. And there it is. Those 66 books in that marvelous volume contain the truth of God. Revealed from the mind of God through the agency of His Spirit to inspired men who wrote it down for us and confirmed it with miraculous gifts and we had it today. That source of light is all the Lord intended for us to have. There's one window in the New Testament ark, the ark of safety. Now let's see. Noah, do I remember that salvation was by water? Is that what we learned? That's what the Bible says. They were saved by the flood, by water. But what about this New Testament ark? The church, that one church which Jesus built by the Lord's design, for which there's one door and one window. What about this water thing? Well, let's read that passage we were reading a minute ago. Christ also once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer to good conscience toward God. Peter said, just like water saved those people back in Noah's day, water saves us today. Somebody said, I don't believe water ever saved anybody. Well, you can believe what you want to about it, but we'll go by what Peter says. Peter said that the Lord put water in our salvation. Now you and I understand the power is not in the water. We understand that our sins are not washed away in a baptistry. We understand that. But the Lord gave that command as the dividing line between in Christ and out of Christ. And until we cross that line, our sins have not been forgiven. And when a person is immersed in water, a new child is born into God's family. Water played a part in that. It was a part of the Lord's command that we be baptized in water. And so when somebody says, I don't believe in water salvation, all we need to do is just read from our textbook. Salvation was dependent on a person's willingness to obey the Lord's command to be baptized in water. Now, I know that you can't baptize a person who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. And you cannot baptize a person who will not repent of sin. And if a person doesn't have the courage to confess his faith in Christ publicly, he's not a candidate to be baptized. I understand all that. 
But that final step must be taken. That's the final step that carries us into the ark of safety. Protection from God's wrath and from his judgment to come. And what did I understand about Noah and his ark? What did I understand, Noah, about that? Did you say that everybody who escaped God's wrath in that day did so inside your ark? That's right. There were only eight of us and no more. Of the multiplied thousands of people who lived on the earth, that tenth generation from Adam, only eight precious souls escaped the judgment of God. And they did so by being on the inside of that ark. Well, what about the Lord's church? How important is it? What about the church which Jesus built by that divine plan? The New Testament teaches all of those who escape the judgment of God will do so inside that boat, that ark, the New Testament ark, the church, our ark of safety. Not one accountable person saved outside of that ark of safety. First Timothy 3 and verse 15, Paul said, If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The word house in that text refers to God's family. God's family, that's his children. In order to be a child in God's family, you must be in his church because they're the same thing. Paul said, the house is God's church. Now that means if I'm not in his church, I'm not one of his children. If I can go to heaven and not be a child of God, then I suppose I can go to heaven and not be in his church. But you and I know that's not so. I've got to be one of his children to be welcomed into glory after a while. And to be one of his children is the same as being in his church. That's clear, that's clear isn't it? That's so clear we have to have help misunderstanding it. But that's not at all what we hear coming into our ears from the world around us. The church has nothing to do with your salvation. You do not have to be a member of any church in order to be saved. The church is not a part of salvation. You heard that before. That just ain't so. Because the Bible teaches that in order to be a child in the Lord's family, I must be in his church. That's the same thing. And if I'm not a child of his, I shall not go home to live with him forever in the sweet by and by. There's a passage of scripture that I'd like to share with you now found in Matthew 24, verse 36. Jesus talking about the time when he's going to return. He said, Of that day and of that hour knoweth no man no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage 
until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man comes. Noah's day. God shut the door to the ark. It was then too late. People outside of that ark were no doubt in a state of panic when it started to rain. They had to say goodbye. They were caught unprepared. It came at an unexpected hour to them, although they had the opportunity to hear Noah preach for years. They went about their daily activities. They went to school. They went to work. They went to work out. They went shopping. Things were going on as normal. They had no idea that was the last day. But it was. They went into that ark and the door was shut. All opportunity was gone. It rained two days in a row, and three and four. <coughs> rain like we've never seen before. All of the fountains of the deep were broken, and all of the windows of heaven were opened, and it rained like that for 40 days. And the water began to rise. And perhaps mothers with small children said, I wish I'd let Ms. Noah take my baby on board with her. At least it would have been dry there. And they could see that ark and wave goodbye forever. They had friends and relatives who were on that boat. They had to say goodbye forever. We'll never meet again, not on this earth. The parents of those daughters-in-law of Noah had to say goodbye to their precious children. All of Noah's family that did not listen to his preaching were on the outside. While that water continued to rise and man fought with the beast of the field for the highest part of the hill. But it kept on rising. And that flood carried Noah and his family away from that sin-cursed earth. Goodbye to mothers and fathers Goodbye to closest of friends. Goodbye forever. Jesus said, when I return, it will be at an unexpected hour. Things will be going on as normal. People seeing after their duties in life. But when I reappear, it will be too late. The doors will be shut at that point in time. And after that judgment has taken place, 
and those on his right hand join him in the clouds, they'll look across on the other side and say goodbye. Parents will say goodbye to their children, never to see you again. Husbands and wives will be separated at that hour. Goodbye. Goodbye, my precious wife. I'll never see you again. The closest of friends will part ways because some will be in that ark of safety and others will not. Now, my question tonight is, are we on the inside or are we on the outside? The Lord would be thrilled to death to add you to his church tonight. Get in that ark of safety. And all he requires of you is that you become a Christian. Your faith in Christ exercised to turn away from sin and repentance and have the courage to say, I believe in Jesus as God's Son, and then obey his command to be baptized in water. When you've done those simple things, the Lord not only will wash you and cleanse you and make you whiter than snow, he will also add you to his family, the church, one of his children, prepared to meet the Lord when he comes. I've talked long enough and you've listened too well. I appreciate your audience so much. We're going to be led in a song of encouragement. Brother Mike will be here at the front of the auditorium. If someone responds to the invitation, he'll take your hand and comply, help you comply with your request. If you're an unfaithful Christian and you need to make amends in your life, now's the time to do it. If you've never become a Christian, Now's the time. Get on that ark of safety so that you and I will be glad to see the Lord when he comes. Are you subject to his invitation tonight? We want to become a Christian this evening. We're praying for you while we sing. If you're not a Christian, don't you sing. You let us sing to you. Step out into one of these aisles. Come to the front of the auditorium. And we'll be more than happy to assist you in your obedience to God. Won't you come right now while we stand together and while we sing?